I have this being approximately October of 2012. When we started? Yeah. You are exactly correct. It was October of 2012. Goes by quick. Yeah. Yeah, this is going to be excellent. All right. So this is just going to pretty much be a regular open. We'll, we'll just make a mention. <laughs> I was about to ask, what episode is this? It's 200. That's, that is kind of amazing. It is kind of amazing. Who does 200 of anything? 200 is a lot, my man. Fuck pain. Fuck heartbreak. I'm still in love with life. From the multicultural headquarters of the future capital of the free-thinking states of America known as Los Angeles, this is the Drunken Dows Podcast. Tonight, just like that, episode 200 is here. And to make it even better, our pal Duncan Trussell, our very first guest from our very first episode, is back to celebrate with us. And then we'll have a full interview including General Strikes, Returning Home, Alpha testicles, washing dishes, and being a dad. Plus confirmation of long days and short years. Here we go. And now, asking you all to spread the words that corporations are not persons, I'm Rich Evers. And my partner in crime, the savage philosopher and middle finger of the gods, Daniele Bolelli. As we invite you to lower the lights, batten down the hatches, and prepare to open your mind for the Drunken Dows podcast begins now. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back, not to a fine episode, but an incredible episode. Yes, indeed. Of the Drunken Dows podcast. It is episode 200. How about that? Yep. Who would have thought they would have made it that far? This tenacity. And the 37 of you have been with us all along? Thanks so much. That was from October 2012. Obama hasn't won re-election yet. And people we were having, nervous at that yeah, point, too, if I remember. We are having... Uh, yeah, that's fantastic. And our first guest was Mr. Duncan Trussell. Quite a choice. <laughs> Which may have doomed us from the get-go, because the poor people who thought, oh, let's check out this podcast about Taoism, philosophy, let's listen... It was a uh, and Duncan was naughty. Doesn't even begin to describe it. It was just plain filthy. Yes, he unleashed with time travel questions regarding self fellatio. Yeah, uh, about his use the flashlight that got abandoned in the shower for two weeks. It was yeah. What crazy times! The flashlight was all over the place. And Rogan was pitching that thing everywhere. It's it seriously, I think, set the context for. And what was to come. Therefore, what was to come and, and definitely <laughs> shape what kind of listeners were going to stick around for us. Man. Just, it's funny to think, though. Yeah, that election was definitely unsettled at that point. Yeah. We were at the second Black Diamond offices. Yep. Well, that's all gone now. Yeah. Movie business done. It's amazing. No, that's, uh, yeah, man, that's a big chunk of time. To 2012. Wow. Check that out. It goes by fast. It goes by very fast. Shall we say thank you to some of the sweet folks who have been supporting us in one I, way or another? I think that's very important because 
I do certainly appreciate it. And, you know, I was just joking. There were points where these shows would have filled the Hollywood Bowl mm-hmm. with the listeners in a month. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's no. ebbed and flow over time. And I'll never forget when we were, like, number three in philosophy. I think we were actually I think we hit one, one number for one for, like, a whole three and a half minutes. But yes, enough time to get was, a picture of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Things have changed that, as far as that goes. I mean, think, how many podcasts do you think there are now compared to what oh, there, there were there? a zillion. I mean. Probably. By, re- by 10,000 at least. You know, it's funny. I remember back in 2012, people saying like, oh, podcasts are saturated by now. Yep. It's hard to it's start new ones. And back then compared to now is a minute fraction of what it is today. So it's uh, fairly trippy. But yeah, let's say thank you to Sure Design, which by now is our oldest lasting supporting folks who have been around for a long time and they make fantastic t-shirts including our own except the ones that we have coming out now that one we're gonna do different because sure design does not do black t-shirts but other than that they have great stuff also among uh, the folks who have been supporting us more recently there's grasslandbeef.com if you're planning a trip to the grocery store check out these guys first see if they have the goodies you're looking for because their quality is fantastic see and zebraathletics.com that the mats in my garage that are about to get used a lot more now that covid is dying and i can actually train with other people you know the whole setup is beautiful if you train martial arts i love their mats they're Really beautiful. They did a fantastic job. They did the. They put the log on it. The quality of the mats is great. So check them out. And of course, as usual, a shout out to the folks keeping the drunk in the drunken Taoist. We oh. have home sellers and materawines.com. Both of them make incredible wines. Check them out. Do you have a, ma- a favor amongst them? Is there like a, a red that just varies, varies tremendously. The two favorite red wines that I drink the most tend to be Merlot, but my all-time favorite is Brunello di Montalcino, but that's like a very peculiar Italian thing that does not get made in... It's it's Brunello, it's di Montalcino, it's come from that one place, that's oh, yeah. it. I, I'm but, sure Anthony um, Tucci, I mean, uh, Stanley Tucci could get you one. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> once in a while Trader Joe has it and stuff, oh, but, cool. you know, that's just for... So it's not micro, micro no. 800 bottles, it's no. a pretty good run. But. Yeah, yeah, it's the whole town run of wine, pretty much. Like, I went there once, yeah. and... Everywhere they sell it, like every store is basically sell the wine. There's nothing else. Everybody's feet are all stained. <laughs> That's how it is. <laughs> but uh, no, that one is great. No, but the ones they have, I mean, the, um, one one thing that I love about the own cellar ones is that they are, I think, I forget what he said, if he has two or three ingredients in it. You know, really? most wines have something like a hundred ingredients in there. They put so many preservatives and this, that, and the other. And he keeps it down to the bare basic in like the most enlightened organic approach you can think of. Well, I never, I but always assumed it was always just a few ingredients nope. in wine. That's what, well, that's what Grapes, the thing that he was saying. Time, like, foot fungus, and. <laughs> he's like, guess how many there are. And, uh, you know, people are always like, five, ten, is like 80. I forget, I'm making it wow. up, but it was no, something no. like 87 or something like that. And he, I think he uses either two or three, I believe three. It's the way it should be, I do so believe. That's one thing that I love. And I'm not sure about the, what Matera Wines does composition-wise, but I can definitely vouch for their quality. But in any case, uh, oh, and getting down to business, let's say thank you to some of the folks who have donated and got the prize of having their name screwed up. Excellent. Here we go. Let the pottering begin. 
Thank you to Clayton Payne, Aaron Weisner, Austin Stilwell, Aladdin Ali Hodzik, Stephen McKee, Jonathan Waterloo, Christopher Parcel, Ross Cranham, Frederick Hahn, Osborne Oddities, Nick Zunick, Lisa Robles, Thomas Robinson, Nicola Tony, Gregory Richmond, Bill Moriah. Well, this is a lot of names that have been there a long time. Yeah, some of these folks are. We can't thank you enough for the support over time. We can't, but we can try to say thank you one more time right now. Yeah, we can We can try. We'll feel a thank you appropriately, but we say thank you for sure. A fellow who needs more thanks than anyone. The man who gets our show into the world. Our own internet guru. Truly the ghost in the machine. Mr. Evan Culver, who has been with us from the very beginning. Thank you so much. Every episode, the first day when four strangers met in a room in a crazy recording studio in Hollywood, he was there. Evan, I truly appreciate everything you've done to keep us going over all this time. And who knows what happens over the next 200. Thank you so much. Kiva at $174,000 in loans from your fellow listeners, about 240 of them. And that's incredible. It just keeps cranking. I mean, it it seemed like silly to think it was going to get to 25000 That no, was kind of like the man. first goal. And if it keeps going away, it will. It's probably going to be 12, 16 months. But it's going to make a quarter of a million dollars in loans. That's insane. Point. That's and that's you guys. Insane. Yeah, and, you guys did a fantastic job. And you don't get anything for it. You get your money back to relend, but I mean, it does sort of get gobbled up by little fees and things over time. And it's just, I'm proud of that by itself. That is, uh, that's an achievement in itself. I got a, I got a note from my friend Jake from the Social Distance Fest. Yes. Who said, uh, from the team of Social Distance Fest, we want to thank, congratulate Danielle and Rich on 200 episodes of insightful and thought-provoking conversations. Looking forward to 200 more. And he added a little later, he's really grateful for just doing it as long as we have. You two have kept me company through work days and many a road trip. Sweet. So Very, very sweet. I'm sure there's a bunch of you out there like that. It sure has been fun. That's the silly thing. It's never, it's never felt like torture. It may be squeezing in time from here and there, but it's always been... No, it's always been fun. So I'm glad we got to do this for this long, and I hope we get to do this for much longer. There's no reason not to. Uh, Daisy House has been fantastic to us, letting us use their music all this time. And how did that come around? He just contacted you. That was like maybe episode five or six. Yeah, very early on. It was, uh, yeah, has been has been a great thing because the music was perfect. Like when we heard it, it was like, that's fantastic. It's just it's a great song. So perfectly suited. You know, I need to start really buying a dictionary or something just in these first five minutes i think i used the word fantastic five times i need ah. to stop doing that fantastic so, rich you know how i was uh, when we we're doing the bible sunday school stuff i was regularly threatening to whip you yes we have to uh we have to switch roles it's like the next time when we do oh. we fa- when i throw it a fantastic you'll have a stick and you get to whack me kind of like the nun in the blues brothers get those fingers worked out yeah we love to do the Blues Brothers scene where every time I say the wrong word, I get whacked by. You have to get dressed as a nun. That's the next step. I don't know. I, I maybe get. I, I got a new T-shirt recently, and please go to Blues Brothers. It's Ray's Music Emporium. Perfect. And I think not a lot of people recognize it, but I had somebody spot it the other day. Like that's a Blues, Blues Brothers. Brothers yeah. Like, what a great movie. That is a great. I mean, the music carries it for sure. That is. But goddamn, we're gonna. Get in the Wayback Machine, mm-hmm. and what you'll hear right after this is the actual piece of the first intro and sort of the mission statement of episode one. Yep. And really, those thoughts haven't shifted too much. Nope. Single-minded. Absolutely. And then the filth and all that, I'm not going to share it with you. You can find <laughs> episode one. Yes, you can go back. TheDrunkenTowers.com. It'll be waiting for you there. Oh, God. 
Ay, ay, ay. And we all in on. If you guys want to do some comparing and contrasting, now you can get episode 200 with Mr. Duncan Trussell yep. and uh, go back to see how he was nine years ago in episode one. And uh, it's a very funny contrast. And I'll drop a few clips at the end of the show, so... But not the flashlight. You're going to have to dig that one up yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not going to be to blame for that. All right, here we go. Hi, guys. My name is Rich Evers, and it is my pleasure to introduce you to the host of our show. He's Daniel Bellelli, the drunken Taoist, savage philosopher, middle finger of the gods. Put the kids to bed, bury your treasure, and most importantly... Hide your women. The Drunken Taoist podcast begins now. All right, here we go. Okay, guys, I'm ready to roll. Rolling. So, Drunken Taoist podcast, episode one. The most obvious questions that I've been asked uh, over the last few weeks that were getting the ball rolling was uh, what exactly is the podcast about? It's about life, you know. To me, is I distrust specialists in any field i don't like people who identify with one thing and one thing only that's where experts are born and life dies wherever there's a heartbeat i'm interested anywhere there isn't i'm not you know so to me asking me is not about any category that you can neatly fit under in itunes you know this is the comedy section this is the history section this it isn't the category is passion intensity, life. That's what we're going to be playing with. Making connections for people who feel like they may be mushroom spores from outer space that have somehow floated on Earth, but you're like, what the fuck am I doing here? You feel difference from everybody around you. You feel that something is... makes you wonder, like, am I some strange alien from outer space? What am I doing here? Through the wonders of technology, I guess, through something like podcast, through the net, through something. The fact that it puts us in contact with people from across the globe who have similar interests, it may open up to the possibility that there are there are places for weird people like you. And there are many other weird human beings like you who have something special going, who also feel the same weirdness and a level of alienation with their surroundings. And not because necessarily they are wrong, but because there's something awesome about them that their immediate surroundings don't reflect. So part of what I want to do here is bring together a whole bunch of cool human beings that will come up on the podcast, have fun conversation, have intense conversation, have passionate conversations, where may strike a chord with the experience of some of you guys sitting at home or in your car, wherever it is that you are listening to this stuff. And uh, hopefully we run with it. You know, you get something out of it for your own life. We definitely get something out of it by having these conversations. And, and not only among us here in studio, half of the fun of this is interacting with you guys listening. I'm, I'm sure people have already examined it and discovered that we are desperate for conversation mm -hmm. that we've been a society that for so long, the TV has blared at us. The radio has blared at us Buy this, do this stay tuned, blah, blah, blah. Right. That to just hear people talk is once I found it, I never switched back. Right. And I can't wait to see what's better. 
No, I'm with you 100%. Because it really is a fascinating collection. And yeah, I think everybody does sort of have that feeling. For a goal for the podcast as a reason why we do it. Elevate the quality of human life. How about that for a humble goal? It's a humble goal. You'll never change the world. But if you're lucky, you might point it a half a degree in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, And if you've done that, you've really done something. Mm -hmm. Or just held it fast against these insane motherfuckers that are trying to run the place. are here on episode number one you are here for episode 200 we started with demon flashlights that have been left <laughs> back in the shower with stuff uh. growing in it for weeks uh. Uh. here we are again i don't know man it's like if anybody has stuck for 200 episodes after that one first episode they are heroes who deserve uh, enlightenment if we had all bought ten dollars of bitcoin nine years ago we'd have 600 don't talk about that right please now. don't ever mention that don't mention that <laughs> that's the great thing I, I try not to think about that <laughs> yes <laughs> no, i i can read you emails i got emails i got emails from from people in the earth when before even the dtfh when i was doing the lavender hour from these people who are like, have you heard of this thing called Bitcoin? I really would like to donate some Bitcoin to your podcast. And I remember reading it and being like, I don't, I don't want your imaginary <laughs> Building money. Building Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want your fake money. What are we going to take, Bitcoin? Why don't you send me clown tokens <laughs> while you're at it? Yeah, it was well thought out, wasn't it? Yeah, God. well, you know, it meant science at the time, but yes. That. It's haunting. It's it's ha it haunts me. I you know I I go back and just look, and I remember like thinking, you know what? Why don't we set up a way to you know a Bitcoin wallet? And then you know like ah, oh, my dog sure looks cute. I think I'm gonna get stoned again. Maybe I'll go <laughs> for a jock. You know what I mean? Then I just didn't do it. But. Hey, Sarah, Sarah. You know there was actually I won't mention the name because I don't know if he wants his privacy so eerily violated but uh, a, f a common friend of ours who actually had money lost almost all of his money i messaged him because i was like you know checking in a little like what's going on and he's like oh no i forgot i had a zillion bitcoins that i invested way back in the day so now i bought like five houses and i'm like holy shit that turned out well wow some folks got wow. all the luck so some folks got all the pain yeah that's the nature I of love life. that I did well I just on I love that it happened yeah you good know for I him. think it's, it's just so cool that it's you know it, it like some people were like living one kind of life and then found themselves just rocketed into the like upper stratosphere of the upper class and that must be really cloying for like 
people who've been rich for their whole lives and to suddenly have these like, you know what I mean? Like you're you're in whatever like expensive ass bay you're at and you're used to like certain yachts. And then all of a sudden some 25 year old in like this insane Bitcoin yacht yep. comes they zipping painted up by. like the Trans Am from Smoking the Bandit. <laughs> love that oh my I god i love it it's like a they're, they're, they've got to feel like somewhat invaded you know like it does it seems like they enjoy once in a while when someone breaks through but to have a sudden flood of like bitcoiners and GameStop people yeah you know that's I mean? kind so of like, like that old money new money conflict right it's like well you know you can't argue with the money but it's like Fuck you, I resent you anyway. You know, I saw a crazy documentary the other day. Um, I think it's called The Donut King. It's about this Cambodian immigrant who comes into US fleeing the Khmer Rouge, uh, literally, like, you know, the classic story about arrive with the shirt on his back. I think literally with the shirt on his back and that's it. End up, uh, you know, his sponsor find him a job at a donut shop. Fast forward a few years, he opens his own donut shop because they are all, you know, family, Cambodian family where everybody works for three cents an hour together. Yeah. They are able to save money. They buy another, then they buy another, then they buy another. They start this franchise. They kick out most yeah. of the big franchises out of California, dominate the donut business. The dude ends up making zillions of dollars and promptly loses it all by gambling in Vegas. It's, oh no! It's a classic American wow. story. I mean, the oh. good is he did a, he did a lot of good because he sponsored a lot of people, was able to bring many people from Cambodia. Many of these other people got their businesses going that he helped build. So you know, he he contributed a lot to other people, but he personally managed to go from rock bottom to multimillionaire to rock bottom back and forth in the span of a few years. Roulette's Beautiful. just not that fun. Yeah. That's a crazy story right there. I was like, what the hell? That's uh, yeah. That must be a trip to have zero money, become a multimillionaire and go back to zero money. If you don't become enlightened after that, I don't know what happened. I mean. That yeah, that's, that's one of the wild facets of capitalism. I just interviewed a communist who was explaining the problem with those stories, like how the, that capitalism depends on this kind of uh, idealism like rooted in this like story it's mm -hmm. always that story a donut guy the bitcoin of people course. the gamestop people it's this, it's a, it's identical to the casino effect you know you're like in a casino someone a few slot machines down from you wins is cheering weeping and you you're you know ape brain makes this dumb connection you're like <laughs> shit must be coming my way yeah. like like it's rolling up yes. the aisles or something like that and that's a similar effect like the whole system depends on it, a lot of people believing that just around the next turn my turn yeah that's right which is trippy yeah. because it's it's one of the things that is like, yeah, sure, it happens. Yes, it happens on a fairly regular basis. But it happens on a fairly regular basis to, what, maybe at most 1% of the population, probably less. Lots of zeros added to so, that. So, exactly, probably 0.00. .00. So it's one of the things that is like, yeah, it's possible. And yes, individual effort play a big role. So don't get me wrong, I, all the power to individual effort. 
But the part I forget is that there's also an enormous percentage of luck involved, of timing, of 10,000 other things that are not just that kind of grind porn, like if you're going to work hard for 4 a.m. to midnight every day, eventually you're going to make it. Yeah. It's like, no, that may be a prerequisite, but it's not a guarantee. And, right. uh, and I think that's one of the things that people... And I don't know, it just seems weird to me because it doesn't seem like it takes a genius to figure out that both sides of the equation are true. That of course there's individual responsibility. Of course you need to work hard. Of course you need to plan. Of course, all that shit for sure. But that that alone doesn't guarantee success by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, life's not fair. Russian friend, I mean, a communist friend would remind you that if Donut King had to give money to people, he would be equally as broke. Oh, yeah, that's the other argument that they make on the whole uh, wealth redistribution business, right? But I think, like, I don't know, man. Like, what do you think it's so hard? Like, why does it seem that there's always two camps there, that somebody need to either be in the just pull yourself by your bootstrap, it's all about the individual, it's all about what you do, yeah. or the other camp that is all about the, it's all social conditions and the individual matter nothing unless you change the structure of society, it's all bullshit anyway, that kind of stuff. What's up with that mindset? I mean, there seems to be a collision of two possibilities. One, one of them is, well, you look at it, it's like hilarious. You know, the, the uh, Oscars, they actually had to drive off all the homeless people who were encamped around the train station <laughs> where they did the Oscars. You know, it's very dystopian. And then they went in there and gave awards to each other. And they put the homeless people, apparently they sort of, but force them to go stay at hotels near there. Um, so you kind of see that that's the thing that we're, that is one of the most glaring critiques, I think, of the system we're using right now is that these two things are converging. One, these is like people who are like have access to insane healthcare, amazing, like probably like have figured out some way to re reverse the aging process, you know? <laughs> it's and children's then, right, tears. Yes. <laughs> and next to them, you see like people who have like, you know, brain injuries and, uh, you know, have gone through like all kinds of disasters, many of whom have probably at some point been wealthy. And you see those two things meeting and you got to think like, God, there's got to be something better than these two extremes converging, which I think leads to the socialist argument which is like come on how many houses do you need right how, well, really like isn't it more of like a sickness if you end up having like nine houses not even rental properties just you got your house on the beach you got your house in the alps you got your house over here and over there you don't even know how many houses you have yeah. you can only be in one place at once and so there's this assessment of that as being more of like a kind of mental illness that you you didn't mean to get i mean that's the thing you're 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 catapulted into this system given this incredible uh idea of like what success even is and then you go for it and then by the time if you if you do even that's the crazy part is if you get it you know you're like, wait, but I, I still feel like shit. I'm still confused. I don't really feel satisfied. Somehow I'm more terrified than I was before I had all this stuff. I feel like I'm in danger. People get mad at you. You right. know what I mean? Like sure. people get mad if you get super rich, mad, like angry. They hate you all of a sudden just because you did the thing that they wanted. And you know what I mean? So it opens you up for all kinds of potential 
uh, horrible things happening to you, uh, the very least being like being kidnapped and held for ransom, which happens a lot, which is so then you got to get a security detail to follow you around, to follow your family around, because if they figure out where your kids live, they're probably going to take your kids. You can't go to certain countries. You know what I mean? So the effect of it is like kind of the opposite of uh, what it looks like on TV, much like porn, you know, like you watch six minutes of people fucking. It looks amazing. <laughs> There's no smell in porn and you don't have to see the lead up to the fucking and the after the fucking, you know what I mean? You don't right. see the bathroom where they're like cleansing their assholes to get ready for an <laughs> anal scene, which I have seen that. And you don't see after it when they are like leave to go pick their kids up at daycare or whatever. And you know what I mean? All the, all the problems of being a mom and have, trying to have a family with a wild job. You know what I'm saying? Similarly, when you're watching Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not seeing the re what it's the burden and the horror that those people experience and the weird paranoia that they, many of them feel. I'm not, that's not to say that there aren't people who have achieved pure joy and bliss from massive wealth. But, um, you know, if, if you've ever run into someone who has shit tons of money, they also have shit tons of problems. Yeah. You know? I mean, one of the things that fascinates me about this is that addiction to the grind, like the people who, because it feels good to feel like, okay, it's my effort. I'm working hard. I'm making it happen. I see results. So you can pat yourself on the back because it's like, I'm doing it. It's me, me, me. I'm making it happen. I see people, whether it's in working out, whether it's in success measured in money or in other ways, where they clearly become addicted to the high of the seeing themselves, building their self-image on this, being the one who goes out and work hard and make it happen. Yeah. And the funny thing is that I can say this shit and then I find myself doing the same thing sometime. I was having a yeah. discussion the other day with my mom, which where she just she just put me in my place with very few words in a way that click perfectly. Because I was like, you know, man, I was looking at National Geographic and it's fantastic and I like it so much. And I just realized, man, they do so many history pieces. I could turn a History on Fire episode in National Geographic articles. It would be probably not such a hard thing for me to pitch. I could make it happen. This is great. And she was like, yeah, National Geographic is awesome. Do you need, uh, do you really need more things to add to your to-do list? And I was yeah. like, uh, no, the answer is a clear cut. No, I'm fucking strapped for time. That's the one thing that I want yeah. more than anything is more time in my day and not. Yeah. And here I am adding shit that's going to take time. That's going to increase the amount of stuff that, why am I doing this to myself? You know, what kind of weird self image is there at play that I feel the need to do this constantly? And I'm like, man, yeah. is it a self-esteem thing? Is it, what the hell is it? I think like, I, I, okay. You know how people call LSD acid mm -hmm. and a lot of like, like people who are sort of proponents of psychedelics will, you know, encourage you not to use terms like that because it sort of paints a picture of the thing that is the opposite of what it is. It's got its roots in a lot of propaganda related mm -hmm. to psychedelics. If you know, it's acid, it's frying your brain, man. Similarly, you know, the term the grind, I think is a, it's a self is a shaming term, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, grinding. It's like, yeah, you're, uh, but in, and, and 
I think sometimes people get being in the flow confused with grinding. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which is when you're in the flow, you're naturally progenitive, you're naturally creative, you're you're making things and there's a joy in what you're making sure. and you're happy with what you're making and, you're, and what you're making is making people happy, right? So to me, that's uh, that's a that's a, a great place to be and it's a place where if you find yourself in it, then you recognize at some point like whatever financial gain you're getting from it pales in comparison to that joy of being whatever part of that outflow of creativity versus like the like grinding to me would be like a a sort of self-tortured state i just think it's important to distinguish the two because these words get thrown a lot of words get thrown around these days workaholic for example You know what I mean? Grinding, workaholic, all that stuff. But you have to check in with yourself and think, is this making me happy what I'm doing? And if the answer is yes, even if it sucks, even if it's hurting you, but you recognize like this is filling me with joy, you're not grinding. You're doing what you love doing. But if you look at what you're doing and you recognize that like there, you know, you just feel empty and fucked up and stupid and pointless and all that, well, probably whatever the activity you're engaged in is not for you, you know? <laughs> right. I, I just think it's impor- important to distinguish those no. two, two things because, you know, in, a, in whatever the situation is, whether we're dealing with a union of workers or whether we're dealing with like, you know, late stage capitalism, whatever you want to fucking call it, you have to admit there's something beautiful in people who work hard. Hard work is beautiful. It's good for you. It really is not good for you because it makes you lots of money good for you because it pushes you stretches you and even better for you if it benefits people around you you know what i mean like if you're working hard and you're supporting a family you're working hard you're like contributing to your community in some way your hard work is like giving your family your kids your your friends some kind of like relief from from some problem they're having it's beautiful. But no, not helpful but, when you're the, the poor woman has three jobs making no money, grinding. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's when it's That's, that's the grind, like, right? Yeah. That's Whereas, the grind. Yeah. I mean, there's the, the good grind. grind. There's the sexual grind, lady on top, focusing grind the corn sort of element. That's a good grind. Um, <laughs> yeah. For, important to distinguish these various grinds. We do. Yes. There are some positive <laughs> grinds out there. I mean, yeah, we're privileged. If you find yourself like, you know, turning down work or like that's a privileged state. You're already- <laughs> super successful because like that's an important thing to point out which is like so many people they're like you think i fucking want to do this i don't want these three jobs i'd stop any day if i could i have to do this and that is the that's the i think a crush is a better way to put it it's like you're stuck in these gears and there's this sense of no escape from it because there is no escape may's gonna be here in a moment and there you go reset pay all those things again it's uh it's not a nice condition to begin at all. No, and I think yeah. that's where there are probably two factors at play in there for, like on one end, for example, in my case, like I feel that I've been in that situation for so long that I think is a built-in muscle that is like more, give me more. Like I'll take that job, I'll take that job, I'll take that one too, yeah. I'll take 27 more, you know, there's that because it's a habit. Yes. And the other part is I do think there's an element where it becomes it becomes some sort of mental crutch because I agree with you. You know, there are two, two very different scenarios. There's the scenario where you're doing soul-killing work because you have to, because you got to pay the bills, and that's just the end of it, right? And there are cases where you're actually doing stuff yeah. you enjoy, 
so it feels like flow and it's beautiful and it does some and those are both true there's also to me some in between where it's like you are getting joy out of it it feels good to some degree it's not like some job that you would never ever ever do if they didn't pay you but at the same time there's a point of diminishing returns so there's a point that is actually something that you told me a while back i remember once like years ago we we're having a conversation at one of one of your old houses where <clears throat> we are chatting and you were talking about like some kind of tv opportunity and i was like oh man that sounds so exciting did the yeah, are you going to pursue that? And you are like, you know what? I'm doing good with the podcast. Yes. Or swing 72. Like if it happens and it clicks right, yes, I will be glad to take it. But if I have to bend over backwards in 47 way for what? For to appease my ego, to feel that I'm, uh, yeah. I achieved the next level of, it's like, and I was like, you know what? There's something very wise about knowing when to stop. You know, when yeah. is that you start hitting diminishing returns? Not that it's bad, but it's, you can only add how many, even let's assume the greatest possible scenario. All your jobs are all cool, fun jobs that feel good. How many can you do in a day? If two feel good, do you want to really do five? If five you manage to do yeah. it, do you really need 10? It's like, there's a point where you say, Jesus Christ, also go out in the garden and breathe a little. That's fun too, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mow the fucking lawn. I love mowing the lawn. Just basic <laughs> shit like the lawn that. Too. Yes. It's the best. And something that you're not, again, another very, you're not supposed to have a fucking lawn. It's ruining everything, your lawn. But uh, it's still, the, the feeling of it is so incredible. Just some simple stuff like that. I mean, this is the, I just, you know, I like the pain of the learning curve mm -hmm. and I like you. This is here's, let me just mundanify this conversation. I have not to brag. I have a fucking Peloton. I'm addicted to it, man. <laughs> and like the reason I like it is because it almost kills me. Like every time the classes are, I, I take them increasingly intense classes, not, but not because I like the feeling of almost being killed, but because I like that realization of like, fuck, I could, I could do that. Like, you know what I mean? That's the sure. whole, it's all based around like luring you a little out of like what you thought you could do with your body. And you're like, God damn, I can like, that's insane that I thought I would never have known that if I hadn't have tried. Right. And so I think there's built into what we're talking about, the, the am, toxic ambition or non-toxic ambition. There's just this sense of delight you get when you realize like, fuck, I could do that. Mm -hmm. I did that. I was able to, I'm getting better. You know, that's the other thing from whatever the activity you're engaged in, no matter what it may be. You know, one of my favorite jobs of all time was when I used to wash dishes at Chili's in um, uh, North Carolina, where I'm at now. They, I just drove by the other day. They're clo it was closed, sadly. Didn't make it through the pandemic. But, you know, in that job, you get really good at it. You're, you know what I mean? You get really good at washing dishes. You're really fast to the point where people who see you do it, they'll stop and be like, God, that's crazy to watch. Cause you're like, and you get so good and you're listening to music and you're like in a flow state and the activity, you know, from the view of like, you know, hierarchical classes, society is looked down upon. Oh, you're a dishwasher. But like when you see it, when someone's good at it and you see it, it's still amazing to see that there's a beauty to it is all I'm saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that whatever that is, whether it's you've got good at washing dishes or playing music or making podcasts 
or, you know, some sport or UFC or whatever, you know, I think there's something really exciting when you're watching your hands and just do their own thing that you, a few years before you would have flailed at. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That, 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 that there's something beautiful in that. Maybe that's not healthy or maybe that's, you know, again, just more toxic, ambitious stuff, but Jesus, it's such a beautiful thing. It's, it feels so good to get better at things. You know, I, there's I'm living that right now. Delight. I'm out delivering the mail because we need the insurance because the movies are out of business for who knows how long. And mm. talk about something that just seems impossible when you arrive. What do you mean 747 stops? Yeah. You get to it and then you get better at it. And then your eyes go to where they're supposed to go and you get your shit together and you get out and you do it. And then eventually you're like you said, you can put those headphones on and just listen your way through it. And why we look down on menial yeah. jobs, I'm really hoping if anything the pandemic will teach us is that those folks that are yes. cleaning toilets and carrying trash, do without them for two weeks and see what the hell happens. And why they're not probably that's compensated, right. that's the shit that makes me crazy. I have to I have to deliver packages for Jeff Bezos on Sunday and it enrages me. They take 30 trucks yeah. out for a station for a nine-hour run. It takes him two seconds to pay for that. Yeah, and well, yeah. What if it, What if it took him five? How would that improve lives at every angle? And how would that detract his? And there's a bunch of them just like him. But we have got to fix it where people who work their ass off 40, 50 hours a week don't need three other jobs. That doesn't seem that hard. You think everybody could get behind that. I have, uh, I've been meeting a lot of sort of more right-leaning folks as I get out to my rural route, and I'm having a fun time discovering things that we have in common with folks I would have argued at for nothing a year ago. One happens to be lightning bugs and stick bugs. Uh, anybody who likes lightning <laughs> bugs and stick bugs will always be all right with me, even if they have a weird sticker on their car. Because That's cool. Because there's something we can chat about and enjoy. I'm sure you got all kinds of good critters you didn't have out here in North Carolina. Are you happy to be oh, back? Because how long were you gone? 20 back. years? Yeah, something like that. It's really nice to be back. It's beautiful here. I, it's 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 like mad I'm sure how beautiful it is. Yeah, it's really nice. You know, yeah, I know what you mean. It's like to me, that's the that's where people are really like. You know, when you look like I, I don't know when you look at like whatever the tax rate that's coming, they make such a big deal on Fox News. What the fuck this? Ta but then you go and look at it, it's like a couple of percent points more than it already is. like you go and look at the history of it and it's like it's not the apocalypse that these people are making it out to be uh which is to me really bizarre because i know what you're saying it's like if you're someone like jeff bezos or you're someone who's like incredibly fortunate in this world aren't you gonna feel like just on an ego level like badass if you make it so that parents don't have to work three fucking jobs anymore. Yeah. Like, it's a pretty like cool why flex. wouldn't you just do that? Just yeah. make it, do what you can to make it so that like, we're not saying give handouts. We're saying like, just like what you're saying, these people are fucking working, you know, 12 hour shifts and then going to another fucking shift and not getting to see their families. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't affect your quality of life at all. Not to even To give a them bit. like double probably what you're paying them. Wouldn't do anything to your quality of life, but you would all of a sudden have a legion of very loyal employees. Yeah. You know, just imagine like if suddenly your boss was like, yeah, I fucked up. I don't know what I was thinking. I'm just going to double everyone's pay. Yep. 
wouldn't affect him one bit, but it would change 450,000 lives and the ancillaries around that and the economy. What are we? They're not going to put that money in the Cayman Islands. They're going to go spend it at Chili's if they can find one that's open. So yeah, but look at the alternative. See, this is the part where it's they seem particularly blind to me. Is it's like you got to understand, like this isn't. We're not in the. This isn't the nineteen hundred the nineteen hundreds anymore. These people know how much you make, yeah. and they know how you're living, and they know that if they organize, that they could just stop your business completely like that's the main thing like you know that like anybody who's working any of those jobs knows that if there were if there was enough organization and there was a general strike yep they could crash the u.s economy they could be more powerful than the most powerful you know oligarch living in the west and all that's keeping them from that is a pretty uh, amazing psyops campaign and a lot of like <laughs> pushback from people who are trying to stop that from happening. Yep. And you know, which in, in all, one one of aspect of that psyops campaign is communism. Yeah, it's like fuck that word, forget the word. Oh, just like workers' rights, unions. Mm-hmm. You know we what s- I mean? Like get, get like recognize the the reality of the situation as you're one cell, and these are like all the cells you're one tiny little cell you know it, it, that's all and there everyone knows it that's the problem right you know what i'm saying do you think that's part of the problem right now i'm gonna is- i'm gonna try to make it sound not sexual but you hit the spot Ooh. Um, Ooh. the grinding continues here yes. on the show folks <laughs> let me here is something i've been thinking about non-stop we have discussed a little bit on the podcast i would love to get your input on this because it's part of something that to me <clears throat> It's a kind of like, you know, those moments where stuff that you have always thought, but suddenly something clicks and you go like, oh, this explains a lot of things. Like, let me see if I can break it down in a somewhat simple way. In some way, it starts with the first line of the Tao Te Ching, you know, that distrust of words, you know, the Tao that can be explained is not the real thing. Like, I feel that the way we communicate... Like when you say the word, like things like communism or all the isms out there, doesn't matter whether they are political, religious or anything. Like one of the problems we have in terms of human communication of taking things and making them too abstract and assigning Mm. a label to it and assigning this clear identity to this kind of abstract thing that is really a generalization of a bunch of things that are out there. We're trying to generalize them in this one entity. And then people start arguing about that one entity. Now, because that one entity is kind of amorphous, everybody assigns their own symbols and meaning to it. So you'll have, uh, you know, socialism. One person will think Bernie Sanders, who has a little bit of a social safety net, and the next person will think Stalin. And they think they're having the same discussion. And it's like, you are millions of miles apart. I feel that yes. we do that with a lot of things, that so many of our arguments, so many of the hatred and bad vibes and misunderstandings come from the fact that we use language poorly by focusing way too much on um, these kind of generalizations, these somewhat abstract terms, these symbolic terms, yeah. rather than focusing on what are we trying to achieve here? What is the goal? Let's find strategies to achieve that goal. Let's not even name those strategies. Let's try yeah. some. Let's see which one works. Oh, this one kind of works, but not really. Let's borrow 20% from what you thought. Let's use that. Let's, is this delivering the results? And approaching problems in a much more 
problem solving kind of way rather right. than uh, let's yell at each other over which color we support over some abstract notions of what the solution should be right i don't know how we get yeah, out I of love that, that though you know, because to me, it makes sense. Like, I see that as, like, think about all the bullshit online of people yelling at each other. 90 plus percent of that is not about practical solutions. It's about identities, about I vote for tribe A, you vote for tribe B, hence you are evil yeah. because you support the wrongism, I support the goodism, fuck you and I. Right. Rather than going, what are we trying to achieve? You want your kids to be well-fed. I do too. Okay, let's figure out how both of your kids and my kids can be well-fed. Let's work on right. that together. Yeah. How do we get out yeah. of that game? Because it seems almost simple and clearly it's not. What do you think What do you think could be steps in that direction to make it happen? Because, you know, we, you and I can... You know, right now, just we sit the three of us at the table, well, the two of us at the table and you across the country, thanks to the joys of technology. But it's magic. You know, we are sitting here, the three of us, and we can say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. We agree. How does that, how can we make that happen in even make a 0.1% difference in that direction? Man, you know, when I had this communist on, I was really ready to, like, I thought we were going to get in an argument. I was afraid he was going to say some creepy shit that was, I was going to have to get in a fight with him. And then like other communists would come at me after I released it and it would be a real disaster. <laughs> so I, that's, I said to him, what, well, what the fuck can I do? You know, I just, I just got a wall built in my, around my yard. Right. Like I'm the ultra pig. I'm the pig <laughs> of all time. Wow. You know what I mean? I'm a pig. And I was expecting some like shaming or guilt, but he said, you're, if you're, no matter what class you find yourself at at any given moment, you're there not because necessarily you're an asshole. You're there because you were born into the system. You didn't invent the fucking system. You were born into it. And once you're born into it, you're taught how to be. And that way is usually either overtly exploiting people uh, or pretending you're not exploiting people so you can sleep at night, you know, but, the, the, but so what ends up happening is all this, like what you're saying, mm -hmm. all this guilt <clears throat> starts happening in people. And w within that guilt is like, oh shit. I, what he was saying is you're like, oh, why am I using this product? I should be using that product. You know what I mean? And that's how they get you. That's how it gets you is like, they know you're feeling guilty. And so they're like, listen, I have the solution to your guilt. It's not figuring out where, workers in your community might need help it's not like checking out like the dsa or like looking or even like just studying some of this shit that you might not understand it's you need to buy these garbage bags because these actually are, are like these are purer than the garbage bags you're using and then you get hijacked their humanity gets hijacked because i think i think one thing that is I, I i believe that isn't idealism is that human beings are good and we like to help. We love it. We love helping each other. We we have a, we want to be heroes. We like it. It feels good. You need help? Oh, shit. You realize your neighbor needs something? What's better than having that thing and bringing it to your neighbor? And your neighbor's like, oh, my God. And you're like, yeah, there you go. Or like a, a, you know, a friend, you know, who's like completely in a rough spot in their life. Suddenly you like open, maybe you open your house to them or you're like, show them that you love them through action. And they're like, oh my God, this isn't a hell realm like I thought it was. You know what I mean? Those, those are things that transcend language. Sure. And those are just human, human things that haven't been hijacked yet by 
somebody who's like, no one's going to say if you, I don't know, let's say you uh, buy a house for your mother or your mother-in-law. No one's going to say, you fucking communist. What are you going to do? You're giving out handouts to your family. They're going to be like, that's a really great thing you did. No one's going to be like, oh, you motherfucker. What you're, you did what? You, you got your kids a trampoline, a trampoline. Right. Did they work for it? Oh, you just gifted it to them. <laughs> right. You motherfucker, you communist. No one's going to say that about you. Mm-hmm. In fact, no one, if you just start giving your shit away to people who need it or helping people, however you choose to do that, no one is like, well, did you see what happened to Daniela? He turned into a fucking communist. He's out in his community helping people, that motherfucker. It's um, like, you know what I mean? Even though <laughs> what you're doing is the thing of that's so looked down upon, you know, that's so horrifying. I think uh, where people get freaked out is not by communism. They get freaked out by authoritarianism. Sure. It's, it's when Daniele isn't doing shit except going around and telling his neighbors, like, you need to be helping your fucking friends. What's wrong with you? Then it turns into something completely different. So I think the answer is like, it's that I'm sure I've said it on your show before. It's the what Jack Cornfield says, tend to the part of the garden you can touch. Mm-hmm. And even before you start doing whatever your cheesy thing is to help your friends, this is what the co- communist I interviewed told me, which I love. Relax. That's what he said. You want to be a, you want to like really fight against this thing? If you can relax, try to relax. Look where the internalized capitalism has taken root in you, just like what you're saying. Find those places where, like, when you're finally getting a chance to sit back and chill out, you're feeling guilty, which is a sad thing that happens to people. Or if you're too happy, you think you're failing. The other shoe's going to drop soon. All those things that are built into the system and see what you can do about alleviating yourself of them somehow so that you find yourself experiencing those wild moments where you're just out in your yard, nothing to do. And for once, you're not flogging yourself because you forgot to send an email. Just those little micro moments, you know, I think they do a lot, you know. And then the other thing you said, which I I, I think was right on, is uh, hang out with your friends. <laughs> like, be with people. Get the th- do barbecues. Make shit with people. You know, just that kind of stuff, which this pandemic is fucked. You know what I mean? But those moments when you're just hanging out with your friends, you know, just hanging out, making stuff, cooking, laughing, eating together. These are like the primordial elemental aspects of what it is to be a human. And from those experiences, inspiration flows, I think. It's amazing that Frankie Goes to Hollywood had the answer in 1986. Was was that the answer? Relax. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, relax. That sounds almost insane because they like to keep us on edge as possible, worry about everything. What time is it? Why isn't that? I think one of the craziest things we have of all is if you're late on a payment for your water bill, they charge you more. I didn't have the money to begin with, motherfucker. Why is that a punishment? Why do we punish people like that? They cut it off. We were just, our gas went out one day because like we'd moved into this house and we had set up gas and they just cut it. All of a sudden we just didn't have gas and we called them and they're like, what the fuck? And they're like, Oh yeah, you didn't have your, you didn't, you didn't set up the new gas, but we did. But they were like, yeah, we just turned it off. And then they came and turned it back on, thank God. But yeah, they'll just cut your shit off, man. They'll just turn it off, turn off your water, turn off your heat, take, pull the rug out from under you and, and, and act like they had to do that. Like if they didn't do that, they're, you know what, your, the water 
your fucking water. You're going to run out of water if you turn on the water for this family that needs water. Yeah. What's going on? You can't have that. And the guilt associated with, God forbid, you should like on your water bill, fill out the part where it's like, do you need assistance? You know what I mean? Where they make it seem like that's bad. Like, yeah, of course I fucking need assistance. What, what, like most people do, you know? So that's the other, probably another way you can like alleviate yourself of some of this shit is like, if you're getting help, don't feel bad about it. You know, if you're getting help, you're becoming part of the circuitry of uh, giving in the, in the world. Well, that's the other thing, man. What we, we call people freeloaders. You know what I mean? That's the thing we call people just casually. That's a freeloader. I remember once I knew someone who didn't want to apply for unemployment, lost his job. And he said, my family doesn't do that. We're not that kind of people. <laughs> that's internalized capitalism. Yeah, it's that's, like, <clears throat> that's nuts. What the fuck? That, that kind of shit, that prideful, that thing where like, that's not who I am. That kind of stuff. It's like, no, you need fucking help. I had uh, I had a dude once tell me he had a fucked up liver and I uh, was saying, hey, so what would fix you up? And he was like, basically only a transplant. And I'm like, oh, that kind of sucks. Is, uh, is it possible to get it? And he was like, sure, if I had $300,000. And I was like, he was super anti anything socialized medicine or anything. I was like, well, I bet right now socialized medicine doesn't look that shitty, does it? And he was like, yeah, I'd rather die than take that socialist medicine, which Sure enough, happened a few months later. So I was like, oh my okay, God. I guess everybody live the way they want. But but I think <sighs> like, I like the thing that your guys said in terms of focusing on the shit that's real. Eating with friends, it's real. Sitting in the garden is real. Doing things that are basic human experience then transcend ideologies. Because people of all, per- doesn't matter what ism you support, everybody like those things. Everybody crave those things. There's not the communist uh, barbecue or the capitalist barbecue. It's people sitting around and enjoying their company and eating together. You know, it's pretty basic. So that I like. I think that the problem goes when we do hit the isms, when we do start going into the ideological component. Dogmatic, you know, becoming dogmatic is just one step away. And so what happens is, to me, it's kind of like almost like UFC in 1993, where you got people who are like, judo is the best, karate sucks. No, shut up. Karate is the best. Judo sucks. Mm. You guys are all wrong. Kung fu is the solution. You know, and then what happens is that eventually with enough trial and error, people realize some styles are better than others for sure. But ultimately, none of them has all the answers. And the answer is a process of picking and choosing from what seemed to work and combining it together in a new mix. And then you periodically stir that mix and add elements and get rid of some that don't seem to be working. And you're constantly cleaning up that process and making it better each minute. And like, what is so damn hard with doing that with uh, economic ideas, with political ideas, with religious ideas, with all those ideas that rule people's life. What's so damn hard to say, look, the best economic system, why don't we try? Let's take a little bit of that. Oh, but wait, your other theory seem to make sense, even though it seems to- totally opposite. Why don't we try that a little? Let's see what the percentages are. Oh, turns out yeah. that theory is actually really good if we only use it 20% of the time. Yeah. And we use this other... To me, it's like that's being human, right? It's like we are trying to find a solution. 
I don't want right. a communist or a capitalist solution. I want a fucking solution. I, I don't yeah. need, it doesn't need to wear a particular color or uniform. I want something that works and that bring the greatest benefit to most people. And instead well, that's we, anarchism, if you ask me, but whatever. <laughs> and instead we end up in this discussion where it's like, wait, but my thing has worked in such and such contest. Yeah, but shut up. It didn't work in that other, other contest. And rather than yelling at each other, it seems obvious to say, you got a point. It did not work in that and that contest. However, there's a good idea there. How can we incorporate it into something that works? Yeah. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I, I think also to add to that. Yeah. Uh, just like finding some kind of elemental sort of uh, North star, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think, you know, whenever the term revolutionary gets used generally as a positive, this movie was revolutionary. Sure. This medicine is revolutionary. You know, it's a, it's a positive, but the, the, you know, I think the idea of like looking at your own life and kind of finding where you can, what, where, what would a, a micro revolution just look in your own life? You know, another, and, and I think that's the, the micro revolution is like, are you the oppressive? Are you like where you're oppressing yourself? Mm -hmm. You know, like any, and anytime you run into like these spiritual teachers that I love so much, like they're so good at like helping you be just kinder to yourself, which is truly revolutionary. If you've managed to create an oppressive system within your own, you look in the mirror, you're like, I look like shit. You know what I mean? You think about yourself as a parent. You're like, oh, man, I fucked that up. As a child, oh, God, I was a horrible son. I could have done better there. Or, oh, God, I'm a terrible worker. Oh, I could have done better. Oh, da, da. So to one revolutionary thing I try to practice these days is just like um, something I heard in a book about toddlers and about this guilt that, is, that assails parents. Uh, the idea is become a good enough parent. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. so become a good enough person. You don't have to be the perfect thing here, but just, yeah, fine. You didn't, whatever you thought you were going to do that day, it, you fucked up or whatever you acted the day before you fu you fucked up, but you were doing your best and that's good enough. And then just like, see what happens if you start relieving yourself of that goddamn guilt. And from, and then I start feeling guilt about not feeling guilt. You know, like, you, you know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what the fuck? Where's my, I can't just let myself get away with that. Are you love being a dad? I love being a dad, but it's a constant heartbreak, you oh, know, cause course. I, cause I'm always feeling like I, I should be spending more time with him. I do work a lot. I'm at the studio a lot, but you know, in all of that anxiety and neurosis, it's like you can ignore the entire being of your child because you start getting like, accidentally like narcissistic where you're like i'm the source of the they need me so much it's like shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> they've got a lot of other people in their lives and they're doing great you where you know what i mean they're enjoying their life like you're what do you want to you want to be like the source of all their equilibrium and delight and joy in the world that's fucking horrible no Don't that wouldn't turn that. out very well at all no it is the strangest you know, so job where if you do it correctly and well they will get out of the house as quick as possible to go ah, off and enjoy yeah. their world. It's the total truth. They'll be confident. Yes. Yeah. You know, they'll be confident and they'll, they'll be and their confidence won't be dependent on this thing or that thing, but just a general, you know, trust in the world, which, you know, is, you know, how can you, I don't know how to be a perfect parent, but I love it. I do love it. Well, it's, it's impossible. 
Well, great honor. I guess in relation to what you are saying about kind of being kind to yourself and and also in terms of being a parent, also teaching somebody, because, you know, the typical scenario with parents and kids, you see a kid fuck up because they're lazy or they messed up or they didn't do, and the parent get on their ass and the kid get defensive and they are like, no, but I had a reason and they are defending themselves and suddenly you have an adversarial relationship, which is never yeah. good. And to me, it's yeah. super important to make clear that just because something didn't get done right doesn't mean in any way, shape, or form is a criticism of you as a human being, or I think any less of you, or I love you any less, or I, it is, it's one thing. I think you're awesome. I think you're amazing. I adore you. However, yeah, it wouldn't be so bad if you don't leave dirty dishes out. That would actually help me out. You would do me a favor. And at that point, it's like, oh, you're not an asshole who's trying to come down on me, telling me to do 10,000 things. You are somebody who has... 10,000 things to do on his own and you're just asking me to clean dishes to help him out of course I want to clean dishes to help you out you're my sweet father I want to help you out and then it becomes so fucking easy right he's like (laughs) I don't have to yell at you I don't have to say hey you need to do dishes you lazy bum it becomes like something somebody wants to do because you help them feel good about themselves you're not criticized like one thing that Mm. people thought I was nuts but it felt right at the moment, like when my daughter was um, probably six years old, you know, she was used to always being everybody telling her, oh, you're so smart and you do everything great and wonderful. And she gets all this positive reinforcement because objectively she was always on point. And she's in class and she's uh, talking a whole bunch with her friends and the teacher got annoyed and so give her a note to send to me like she's been uh, too talkative in class and not paying enough attention, blah, blah, blah. And she felt horrible, right? She thought it was the end of her identity as a good person. Ah. And I kept telling her, dude, no, I don't give a fuck. It's fine. It's normal. It's everybody does it. It happens. And then sure, don't talk when on top of her. And then the teacher won't be, she couldn't take it. So I was like, you know what? To tell you how much I don't care about this and how much, let's go out and uh, let's buy you a reward toy. And she was like, a reward (laughs) toy for what? For a vid guy yell that is cool. I'm like, yeah. That's exactly the point. It's like, I want to try to hammer it, and you're not getting it through my words, so maybe you get it through an action. They have done nothing objectively wrong. You have done a tiny thing that you can correct. It's not a scene. It's not because you're bad. It's not because of anything. Is yeah, you know, let's get the toy, remind you that you're awesome. And then next time, maybe remember not to talk while the teacher is talking. This sounds a little communist. (laughs) It was so fucking basic and she was so happy, right? And she was like, okay, okay. So all I have to do is not yell around when the teacher is explaining something. He's like, yeah, that's it. That's it. You're still awesome. You're awesome before. You're awesome while you did it and you're awesome after. That doesn't change. I love you the same. So just change that tiny behavior. That's it. Nothing else. That's great. And that... That's awesome. She'll be 13 at one point and all that will go out the door. But for now, (laughs) that sounds really nice. Uh, I got to say, I'm excited that your your alpha testicle is taking care of business, man. There was a lot of stormy shit has gone down in the past nine years. And uh, look at you, man. That's awesome. Yeah, I I think it's nice to talk about that. I mean, because a lot of people are ashamed that they only have one testicle. Testicular cancer is a real problem in the world, man. And people get their balls cut off all the time. And there's a lot of shame attached to that. And a lot of like weird, like gross societal shit about like masculinity and the number of balls you have. 
But folks out there might be struggling with any kind of testicular affliction. You don't need to. I, that's why we got to, I think, you know, it's like a backup, a redundancy. Totally. <laughs> you know, you need one if you want to, you know, make life. But also, like, apparently, and this could be complete bullshit, but my wife has told me that she read somewhere that if you only have one, your sperm weirdly gets stronger because it's like it knows it's got to do twice the work. So you end up with more sperm or something. I don't know. Pause this podcast. No we're, problem. We're going to see a influx of people chopping off their second bowl because they have heard, uh, hey, Duncan no. said, I'm going to get don't. more potent this way. Well, didn't so bike, like, didn't, didn't, didn't one of those bike riders ball, do that to, to get faster? <laughs> yeah. Don't do it. Don't chop off your ball. But yeah, you, you definitely, you, you, only need, you only need one. And I have two beautiful <laughs> kids that are proof of that shit. How's that uh, that transformation? You know, clearly your life has changed a whole lot in the past. What three years? Four years? Yeah, to which, somewhere around there. Now you are a father of two kids. So you went back to live in Carolinas. It's like everything. Yeah. How do you feel about it? How's that transformation going? Because clearly you are changing into into a different lifestyle, into a different yeah. self. In your interactions on a day-to-day basis are different because of the structure of the family around you and everything. Yeah. I raised my kids in Nashville like when they were aughts to like 12, 13. And it was just such oh, a better great. place, man. We had so much more space. The houses were so much cheaper. Yeah. We had like two acres to fuck around on. Yeah. And we're 12 miles from yeah. downtown. Can you imagine that here? That would be uh, an apartment complex. Yeah. No, I know. I know. I, yeah, that was that's that's definitely one of the huge benefits of not living in that very expensive city. You know, the, what's so what's weird, I, the pandemic showed me this because, you know, how often do you hang out with your friends in L.A.? Sure. You know what I mean? And suddenly I just realized, like, I could be anywhere in the world. Right. And still pretend I'm in LA. You know, sometimes when I'm driving around Asheville, I'm like, oh, I just, this is like a suburb of LA. What's the difference? I'm still seeing my friends on Zoom. It's more beautiful. I take my kids up into the forest to, you know, and, and we go on these wonderful hikes. They allow primitive camping here. Nice. You know, which is like camping out here ruins camping anywhere else where there's like some fucking concrete slab that you're supposed to like camp on like you're gonna camp on concrete where it's like out here they've got these amazing like trails that will just wind into the forest and beautiful campsites but to answer your question Bolelli, it, it, it reinforces an idea that i play around with all the time regarding reincarnation mm-hmm. which is like you 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 reincarnate many times in a life before you die Mm-hmm. And so this just feels like that. It feels or another way to think of it is uh, like, you know, in a dream, in any given dream. One of the cool things about dreaming is like you're on a boat and you're talking to a witch and then w- without any kind of sense at all, you're like suddenly, you know, flying through space. You know what I mean? Like in a spaceship or something. And you don't try to figure it out in the dream. It just happens naturally. And that seems to happen in a human life. So. I, I, you know, I've, I'm becoming increasingly comfortable with that uh, change, uh, having like gone through so many different incarnations in my own life. So it just feels like a different part of the, it just feels like a, dr- a different part of the dream, mm-hmm. you know, but mo- mo- most like, 
you know how it is like phenomena changes around you, but you're, you're still, it's still the same, mm-hmm. you know, nothing really changes at all. I think the uh, midnight gospel is a dream, man. I just wanted to tell you how outstanding you. I think you guys did. It's just the best thing to watch, but I must, Thanks. I must insist that the, uh, Clancy Bellelli episode probably have to be a three-parter meeting mm-hmm. Stanley Tucci in Italy and eating food would be quite a way to go. But oh, that's cool. It's uh, it's outstanding. And I, I know a lot of people have gotten a lot out of it, man. It's great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's my I, pleasure. I, yeah. I, I can't believe that, they, that that exists in the world. It's the coolest thing ever. Yeah, can you I'll, imagine in uh, 20 years ago if you had gone to a TV <laughs> network and said, we're going to do a show where no. here is what we're going to put in it, this wild, crazy graphic. Most of it is going to be, there are going to be wild, mystical drug references, and we'll build a whole show about it. That Doesn't that make yeah. sense? It's like, yeah, the world is no. different for sure. It really does speak to the, like, glory of streaming services like netflix and the freedom that they have from a subscriber base to like experiment with all kinds of uh new ways of telling stories it's you know it, it definitely wouldn't have happened it, it wouldn't have happened just by myself either i mean a lot of it was because pendleton wanted to do it and thank he is god a magician. and he is he is like a, a wizard yeah. a true wizard and you know it's, it's amazing that i got to work with him but yeah, I, I appreciate that. I, I, I love, I'm so happy that people, I mean, obviously I'm happy that people love the thing that I made, that I, I made with a lot of really brilliant people, but also I'm happy because before it went on the air, so to speak, you know, I mean, I was just thinking like, well, I mean, I think it'll do, I think it'll do okay. But I didn't think people would connect as like people really love it. And I didn't expect that. I thought that people might criticize it as being too disjointed or uh, maybe uh, they would they would say we were being pretentious or something but uh, mostly people really seem to have uh, resonated I think also something about Clancy living in that trailer and the chromatic ribbon (laughs) and this kind of peaceful isolated life mirrored a little bit of what it was like during the pandemic for right. a lot of us who found ourselves in a similar situation that been the, in, 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 um, might as well have been like an alien planet all of a sudden. So I think uh, there was per- perfect timing that it came out uh, during the pandemic or right at the beginning. That's awesome. Anything else? I mean, of course, you have your podcast, uh, other stuff on the horizon for you or or other stuff that you can talk about that's on the horizon for you or right now focusing mostly on the podcast or there there is something really cool that i'm um going to be able to talk about soon but I, I okay of course, sadly. of course of course that, that's um, why i preface it because often with projects it's like uh you don't you know how it is like until soon. it's like yeah, of course they tell you you can talk but but in all that thing is not season two of the midnight gospel sure. for people hoping that's what it is yeah. um uh but yeah no right now i am diligently working on the DTFH and uh, also simultaneously starting to write down jokes again because All right. we're going to start touring again soon, which I'm fucking just chomping at the bit to get back out there, man. I just can't wait to like do live shows again. Just like, oh, God. That's you know, awesome, I man. That's- miss it. I, I miss it so much, but that's going to start happening again soon um 
probably towards the middle of the summer. We're working on, you know, everyone's just waiting right now to see. It looks good. It looks good. They just told us we don't have to wear fucking masks outside, which, you know, is something. It means things are changing. So, yeah, that and, uh, you know, the podcast, though, mainly. That's awesome. You know, that's my number one love. Well, you're the man. Always a fantastic human being in my book. And yeah. Hey, thanks, man. Well. Thanks for letting me be on the sacred episode. I was so thrilled when you asked me to be on, on this. I think and you I are uh, by far so our most recurrent guest. And, uh, you know, you. of course, number one, number 200, that make perfect sense. So... Thank no, you. Man. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being you. Now, uh, you know, go be a dad because, uh, again, there's so many pressures for your time. Let's not take more of it. But thank you, Fred. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go have some fun with my kids. Thank you so much. I'll see. You. It was really great getting to chat with you. Thank you. You're the man. Take care, man. Take care. Bye. Well, the funky music means one thing, and that's the end of another absolutely incredible episode. Duncan back again. It's funny that man has mellowed a bit in 200 episodes or nine and a half years. That's probably good for him. That's uh, it's it's hard to run in that wavelength all the time. It's uh, it requires a lot of energy. Whereas now he seems. I mean, not that he wasn't happy before. He definitely had, but I think now he's comfortable where he's at. He's. Yep. Uh, I think it's a good thing. He's got some hits on his hands too. That midnight gospel show. Oh yeah, of course. Just the perfect thing for the perfect time. He does mention in there that the fact that the moment of the pandemic has a story yep. about a guy alone in his trailer just seemed to fit perfectly. So congratulations to him for all his luck. He really, you know, it's not like he was nobody at the time, but it was no. sort of like drunk history and not much else in a decent comedy career. And now he really is. Um, yeah, he went. Um, he, he went big. That was, I'm very happy for him. I, I, it sucks that Netflix didn't do season two, and of course they never explain why or how. They don't talk to you about this kind but of thing. Someone might pick but that up. But still, it's uh, it's incredible that it got done in the first place. Such a wild show as it is, yeah. and it came out so well, and totally enjoyable. And the fact that his mom's episodes got fit into that because I I still think that may be one of the most important podcast mm -hmm. episodes ever done certainly if anything we had to do with mm -hmm. but I mean you could probably stack it up on the whole pantheon yep. of the millions of them yep. his conversations with his mother and Mike V and mm -hmm. his thoughts those were really great moments and yep. I think those continue to help people here and there I agree I very much agree all right I don't have much else to add let's get to the silly wackiness uh, Daisy House Kiva Sure Design, Grassland Beef, and I'm forgetting Ohm and Modella. We are good, man. We've done a good job. We got our 200 in. Actually, if you want to be technical, there are a few bonus episodes who are probably at 203, 204, yeah. 204, somewhere around there. So. But who's counting? But <laughs> yeah, man. So congrats. We got through 200 episodes. Good job, my friend. It's really, what's really funny is like when you hear these people talking we didn't know each other no exactly that was a, a new thing for in every nobody way. in that room knew each yeah, other yeah exactly. we didn't know what the hell we were doing and still don't but we do it with a little more style yeah thanks everybody we'll see you around
last person I'm ever going to trust is the person that claims they have the answers. No, Because I don't want to know anything from that guy. No. Because the only thing Absolutely. I'm sure of about him is that he has it wrong. Yeah, most definitely. Fucking cultists. Oh, children of the corn sons of bitches. The idea is the more that you can acknowledge not just the light side of yourself, but also the dark side of yourself, the more you'll find that balance that's represented in the yin-yang, which we should talk about mm-hmm. since this podcast is about Taoism. Isn't that the coolest symbol on earth? Yes. Just, I mean, whoever the Chinese man or woman who came up with the yin-yang symbol thousands of years ago, because it even predates the actual writing of the Tao Te Ching or the Taoist text, is my hero. You know, every time I look at the Yin Yang, which by now is like the most typical or most stereotypical mm-hmm. image ever. People who have no idea what the fuck it is, tattoo it on their arms yes. or whatever. And at the same time is if you're looking for symbols, I mean, it doesn't get any damn deeper than the Yin Yang symbol. There are like 10,000 ways I can think of that's the most conceptually brilliant thing in the universe. But I don't know, give us one. Let's, what's your take on the, why do you dig the yin yang symbol? What, what do you think? Well, you're dealing it? with, you know, bi- it's, a, it's a binary, right? Mm-hmm. It's a, so very simple, yet the interactions of those two energies are plenty to create the entire known universe, right. you know? And so that, that's one reason I like it. It's freebasing my understanding of Taoism. And by the way, I think you should explain Taoism to people because I'm not going to be able to explain it in the right way. Gladly. But my understanding of it is, or, or before you go, I'll just say it reminds me of freebasing mm-hmm. religion. It's like you've condensed everything in every religion down to its most simple, right. lightning or, or, or super hot core. Which is why many people don't even know about Taoism, and many people just fucking ignore it because it's too goddamn it's too complicated, simple. Right? Well, no, simple it's, so, complicated. it's exactly. so simple. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. fucking super complex. So yeah, now yeah. maybe you can explain it to people because that, that's as bad. Yeah, there's a right. line by Lao Tzu, the mythological creator of the Tao Te Ching, because nobody knows who the hell really wrote and it. And doesn't Lao Tzu mean old boy? Yeah, exactly. It's like that's a paradox in and of itself. I'm actually gonna go into his story in one second, but one line that come to mind in respect to what you are saying, there's this line that always cracks me up. He says, uh, "My teachings are very easy to understand and very easy to practice." But nobody understand them and nobody practice them. <laughs> it's beautiful, you know. It's like it's like Nietzsche put it as a subtitle of his book, a book for everyone and no one. You know, it's yes. like theoretically is really simple because it doesn't require any specific, strange, weird knowledge. It's the basic elements of life. But people are so distant from what's natural, from in a way, the essence of things that they complicate shit needlessly. And then something that is the simplest thing ever, they will never be able to get it. Another side to that story is the fact that Taoists are renowned for being a bit hesitant to commit anything to paper, so to speak, because uh, people then turn it into a dogma. We'll misunderstand right. it, we'll turn it into a dogma, and we'll completely miss the point of what they are trying to say. So this idea is that communication face-to-face is one thing, communication in any other fashion gets easily mistaken. That's why the very first line of the Tao Te Ching, there, I mean, there are a million translations out there, but one of the best mm, translations say the Tao, the Tao that can be explained, it's not, is not the eternal Tao. 
And that's the first line, which could also be the last line, right? Because he said, you know, sorry, can't be done. I can't explain it. Nobody can. Book is closed. No, that's just the beginning of the book. It's like once we understand each other that words are limited and people, you need to reach for the spirit behind those words more than get stuck in some little dogmatic battle with people about the true meaning of anything, then we can have a chat on it. There's the other major Taoist thing or Chuanzu say the same thing but in funnier way he said where can i find a man who has forgotten words so that i can have a word with him (laughs) (laughs) again his point is once we understand that words are limited we're using them to pass something else energy to pass something deeper then we can use words you know no biggie but don't get stuck on the words because that's how all stupid dogma is created yeah People miss the point, get attached to the letter of it all, and turn it into the opposite of what it's supposed to mean. So it's kind of funny that way because they are. That's why explaining Taoism in a way is impossible because you can you can and you can't at the same time. Uh, you have to pass a vibe about Taoism. You sort of throw something out there, like in Zen they talk about the wise man pointing at the moon. And so the communication is like that pointing, trying to reach you. Look, it's the fucking moon right there. That's the deep spiritual. This is what we're talking about. And people get stuck looking at the finger, missing the missing what they are trying yeah. to convey. Or the old, uh, I like to think of it in the form of people driving to the beach and not getting out of the car. It's right. like you got the whole point is to get, you know, fucking exactly. have fun at the beach. Yeah. According to most religions, if most religions were to design the same symbol, there would be this field of white, this field of black, and this one line in between separating the two, like the Berlin Wall or some shit. Forget the little dot in each field is like absolute good is absolute good, absolute evil is absolute evil, and they are like fighting each other constantly. Right. The yin yang, they are having sweet, tender sex with each other. Yeah. You know, they have these two sides around this curve, and they are constantly. They are in play. They are in flux. They are mixing with each other and the balance is constantly changing. That's why you cannot apply the same approach, the same balance of energy to all situations because they are different. You know, in some cases you'll need 99% yang and just a tiny bit of yin. In some cases you'll need the opposite. In some cases it's 60-40. In some cases you need to... Life is constantly changing and so you need to be able to adapt to it constantly. And that to me is the beauty of it all is that it's the most anti-dogmatic symbol ever in that sense because it's about sensitivity and the ability to feel things and apply them in the moment. And of course, you can't really build a religion on that because you're appealing to a very individual, subjective feel for how things are, which how are you going to... Exp- it goes back to it's simple if you feel it. If you don't feel it, you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about and it's complicated. And so that's that paradox of it's simple and complicated at the same time. And people don't, look, man, what you said about Confucianism is so true. There's just some people who ain't interested. No. They don't want that kind of trip. Yeah, of course They not. don't want that kind of safari. 
They want that. They want a. They want a Disneyland safari and a right. nice thing that goes by plastic dinosaurs and ends with a fucking soda. Right. They don't want to. They don't want to go out into the forest and really learn how to hunt. They don't want to go into the forest and start a fire. Right. I mean, shit. If you're twenty five hundred years ago in China somewhere and somebody start going off about these things and you're like. Dude, I, I'm a farmer and I have a sick goat and I want an altar so I can pray so that the gods yes. heal my goats and shut the fuck up about all this philosophy because you're just annoying me. You know? Yeah, uh. I, yeah. <laughs> That's it, man. Let they well, let me exist in the fucking right. in this simple structure that I can hang my actions on because this other way that you're describing it is not appealing. Yep, 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 absolutely. You go out into the world and you do something that you normally never would ever do. Very simple things you can do. You can you can give a bou- bouquet of flowers to a complete stranger. You can, uh, out of the blue, give a completely unexpected gift to a distant friend or someone that you don't even know. You can render all kinds of crazy service to people. And this introduces a brand new element, not only into your life, but into their life. Right. You know, and that 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 can create some amazing sparks that can really bring magic into your life. I like that you were use the word sparks because that really is the interactions that we have. It's sparks, mm-hmm. and even if it's thirty years till you see somebody again, if it's a lasting great two minutes, that's a spark that'll stick with you forever. Right? Because what you're talking about the 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 random. Flower bouquet. One thing I love to do, I have a $20 bill in my wallet at all times. And anytime, I don't care who he is, what he is, who she is, if I see somebody putting $3 into their gas tank, I'll have to put 20 in. Yeah! <laughs> Fuck yeah! And you know what's surprising? It's about 30% turndown rate, too. Some people aren't good at accepting. That's another thing, man. You've got to, you can't just be the part that gives. You have to be the part that takes. And some people aren't good at being the part that takes. They don't understand that if they would just accept. Because a lot of times, man, the universe is fucking banging on your door with a bouquet of flowers, a $20 bill, and a million other gifts, and you ain't opening it. Yeah. You're like, ah, oh, no, 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 that's not the way. That's not the knock of the universe. Oh, that's the You're- old jug. The guy jumps into the middle of the ocean, and a boat comes by. So I'm waiting for, the God, for God to it. save him. Oh. Second boat comes by. You know, I'm waiting for God to save him. Yeah. He drowns, gets up to heaven. God, where the fuck were you? I sent you two boats. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's yep. it. Because yep. yep. people yep. have in their minds the way it's going to look. Yes. I know what my soulmate would be like, or I know what my friends would mm-hmm. act like, or I know what a fucking enlightened person would be like, or I know what yep. this and that. And this is why Taoism, again, emphasizes you can't know it. If you know it, you ruin it. If you know it, yep. it's not what it is. Yep. If you know it, you've turned it into a rudimentary, infinitesimal uh, pixel yep. of how incredibly beautiful and potent and powerful it could be. Cool. Awesome. Well, Duncan, you're the man. You're the man. Rich, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hare Krishna. Cool. I got it. That was fun, man. Oh, that was awesome, dude. That was a good one, man. That was great, man. Switch. D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. Good shit. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one.
And so ends another awesome episode of the Drunken Dallas Podcast. Be sure to keep your ears peeled for another mind-expanding episode coming soon. We'll be tweeting you as they come out. You can keep track of Danielli at D-Bolelli. That's D-B-O-L-E-L-L-I. And you can find me on Twitter at Richimon1. R-I-C-H-I-M-O-N and the numeral one. We'll see y'all soon. Woo! Don't want to hear this. No, you don't. <laughs> in questo caso, in questo caso, le provvidenza di Dio. Duncan showed you the way, huh? Oh man, isn't that scary to think? Nice. So don't kill people, do that instead. <laughs> this was great. It's fucking awesome. And I love this conversation. I have nothing against chicken other than the fact that they are ugly and weird and strange. We've been yeah, having a great hour nice. here. Dun, dun, dun. Completely got lost. Are we doing the outro or the intro? We're outro. Oh, we're out. Okay, sorry. So that's so let's continue. Did you ever see the movie Tombstone with uh, Val Kilmer and uh, uh, your accent? It just whatever that movie is you were trying to tell can me. Can you about. translate for me, please? I believe the word was tombstone. Yeah, that one exactly. <laughs> just as I was saying, you know, Tombstone. <laughs> now, most everybody thought. <coughs> sorry. Well. <coughs> We'll do a cut on there. Or not. That was something else. <laughs> no, that's maybe too powerful. <laughs> what do I have to do? One day the rod shall teach you. Get back to work. Funky. Podcasting. It's like radio, but you can cuss. I'm 50 now. Can you fucking believe that? <laughs> I was melancholy about it for like a good month. Like, uh. But I think I was more worried about dying at 49. <laughs> <laughs> so making it to 50. Making the 50 is uh, like, fuck it. I think Louis C.K. may be a monster, but he had a great line. No one, get, there's no candlelight vigils for somebody over 50. <laughs> he had his chance. Why?